0: The Hennessy Report from Keystone Partners, a free-flowing conversation with leaders in the HR community, talking about themselves, the industry, and their work. Brought to you in cooperation with NERA, the Northeast Human Resources Association.
1: Welcome to a special edition of the Hennessy Report podcast by Keystone Partners. I'm Dave Hennessy, and today's guest is my colleague here at Keystone, Shauna Simchek. She is senior partner of our Accelerator program. She is co-founder of ICC, and ICC is now part of the Keystone family. It is so exciting working with her and her team. We really have a fun discussion. I learn a lot from Shauna, as I always do, and you will too. She's an amazing thinker and communicator and an expert on leadership, you'll enjoy this discussion. Up next on our podcast is the CHRO of Edelman Financial Engines, Erin Lovering. And now our conversation with Shauna Simchak. Shauna, welcome to the Hennessy Report podcast by Keystone Partners. Hi, Dave. It's great to have you as a guest on our podcast. We haven't had a guest star from Keystone for several years, so this is really exciting.
0: Dave, thank you so much for having me. I'm honored to be a Keystone star on your podcast.
1: Of course, it wasn't long ago you weren't with Keystone, and we're going to find out all about that in this discussion. But at first, we'll start with the question everybody gets. What's an early life moment as you look back on it now? was an inflection point.
0: Once we get through this podcast, you'll hear me talk a lot about uh, destiny and paths. And I think about one in particular, I had just graduated from grad school. Uh, I had a load of debt behind me after that graduation. I'm sure
1: lots of people in our audience can identify <laughs> with that. That's right. That's right.
0: And so here I am fresh out of grad school looking for my my first real job, right, quote unquote, real job. And I had two job offers on the plate, one that was a HR generalist role and another that was a consulting role. And my husband now, my boyfriend at the time, said, well, of course, you're going to take that job offer that offers more money, right? Probably about $30,000 more. I go, I don't think so. And I decide to take a consulting role for a very, very minimal salary, very minimal salary. And he's like, you're crazy. He's like, we've got bills to pay. I said, I just, I don't know, I feel good about it. I feel like it's the right path. I feel like it's going to teach me a lot. And he's like, enough with the teaching. <laughs> like, but I took it. Uh, I never would have learned the consulting position. I never would have learned about outplacement. I never would be in the position I am today. And so making that really tough decision has led me to some incredibly amazing places that I never thought I would ever be.
1: Well, that leads us to our discussion. We want to talk about the organization that you helped create and build, ICC, which is now part of Keystone, and just share a little bit about the origins of that business and how you got involved and just a little bit about the business model.
0: So I was in Denver at the time with a consulting firm. I was a disgruntled employee, (laughs) (laughs) and I, I was a little unhappy in my role. (laughs) <laughs> and I couldn't quite figure out what I wanted to do with my with my life, right? I had been there several years. I'd been through some transitions at the company, and I just it wasn't relating anymore. And so at the time, I was working with who is now uh, my co-founder of ICC. Her name is Susan Rule, and now she is
1: an, that's of right. Ours,
0: who's now like Megan and me
1: and you? Yep,
0: that's right. And so she she left the consulting firm, and she started knocking on my door and said, "I think we could do this bigger, different, and better." I said, you're ridiculous. I'm 26. I have a dog to feed. You're crazy. (laughs) And so she's very persistent and she kept knocking on my door and knocking on my door. And I said, okay, if we can make this work where I can feed my dog and pay my house payment and take care of my life, let's give it a go. And so at 26, we stood up ICC. The history of of the marketplace, specifically in outplacement, was very traditional, all hands-on. There wasn't a ton of technology. We're talking, you know, 15, 20 years ago. There wasn't a lot of technology embedded into outplacement programs. Our idea was there's got to be a new way. We can still have this amazing human experience and align that with technology. And so we did. So we hit the market with an outplacement product very quickly. We came out of the gate very fast. Now, my background's in leadership development. And so we knew we wanted to be counter-circle to the environment and offer both outplacement and leadership development. So when companies were doing well, they'd invest in leadership development and their people. And when the economy wasn't doing so well, they'd invest in outplacement. The entrepreneurial journey, um, I'll use this as an example. So you're sitting (laughs) at the gambling table, you're hitting 21, you're hitting 21, and the chips are piling up and they're piling up. And all of a sudden you turn around and you'd like to order a nice cocktail. And you come back to the table and you look back and your chips are gone. One minute, things are really great. The next minute, they are awful. <laughs> Everybody put their coats on. We're all going under. But the journey over the last 15 years has been a lot of ups, a lot of lows. But it has been wildly, incredibly satisfying.
1: That's exciting. Well, we're really yes. excited about joining you in this journey. So where did you get your confidence to lead an organization at 26 years old? Here you are thinking, you know, (laughs) all right, I'll try this. Now I got to go advise CHROs and CPOs and tell them how to develop their leaders and and manage transitions at senior levels.
0: You're the line, fake it till you make it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, A little bit of that. I work from a place of collaboration When I'm often in situations where I'm not confident, I'm not feeling as vibrant and excited, I have a panel of trusted advisors. It's like my own board of directors behind me. And they come from a variety of different areas, my friends, my family, but I will often look to them and say, what's the approach? How do I talk to these people? How do I lead these people? Be curious, be collaborative. So my trusted advisors were really influential in helping me figure out how to lead at such a young age. And I just mentioned this, but I come from a place of curiosity. So I'm just going to ask a ton of questions and I'm going to make a lot of mistakes. And that's OK. And I'm going to try again. I'm going to get myself back up, brush those boots right off and, and start trying again. I also realized very quickly, Dave, that everybody puts their pants on the same way. doesn't matter who, what level you're at. <laughs> so whether you're a CEO or whether you're you know the administrative assistant, uh, we all put our pants on the same way.
1: So you weren't intimidated so, by people with that were older, more experienced, even when you were starting off
0: instead of going into them and saying, well, here's what I can do for you. And here's all the experience I have. I would ask them questions. Like, Tell me you've been doing it 30 years. You tell me what the solution is. You tell me what's wrong with our industry. You tell me what's you know, a different way of looking at things. And then, of course, I would use my experience. But in any relationship, I think that's the way in which you engender trust very quickly.
1: That's cool. Uh, Jill yeah. Thompson, who's now on the Keystone team as well, who work for you at ICC, she says you have a great leadership style. And she she actually asked me to ask you, how do people describe your leadership style and how would you describe it?
0: Well, I wish she was here to tell us.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you, she said you have an incredible attention to detail and really high expectations, but you also put a lot of trust in the people that work for you.
0: Actually, the high expectation thing, and Jill will probably giggle at this, has bit me before, demanding high deliverables upon my team members isn't always the best approach, but I'm aware enough. But yeah, you know, collaborative is big. I love, you know, the possibilities of of approaching a situation less with skepticism and more with optimism about that's a great idea. How could we make that work? Come to me with the problem and the solution or proposed solutions. Don't just come to me with a problem. I want you to think through it yourself. I want you to feel empowered enough to think about how you're going to handle this and take it on. And that probably stems from my very, very first job, Dave Crate and Barrel in Broomfield, Colorado. It was the second store, I think, in Colorado at the time. And we stood that up. And my boss at the time, she promoted me to a night manager. I was not ready to be a night manager at all. (laughs) (laughs) But what I loved about her philosophy is, go do it, go try, jump in the deep end, and I will help you swim. I'll be there to support you. And I've always taken that approach with my leadership, too, is... I'm going to throw you into a situation that's rather uncomfortable, but I'm going to be right there next to you to support you and help you and guide you.
1: I think it's, it's well recognized. Uh, I also understand, and I've seen this in you in just our short few weeks that we've worked together, that you really yeah. geek out on leadership transformation and I leadership do. development. And mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about this, because you do a lot of research in the area.
0: Anybody who wants to brainstorm, get on a big old whiteboard for leadership development, I'm in. Call me anytime. <laughs> we might have to do it virtually now, but I'm in. <laughs> leadership development is a passion of mine. Uh, so my graduate work was in IO psychology. I didn't really love the I. I loved the O. I loved the organizational development piece. I loved working with clients. I love thinking about different solutions around people problems it's very curious about how people and why they behave the way that they do, and how we get them to be motivated, and engaged, and excited about being at work, especially when we spend majority of our time here, right? I mean, I just dove straight into some of the recent Gardner research and that just got released around 2023 data. I'm really super excited, Dave, about Keystone Partners' new research that's being released about creating a resilient workforce. I am a geek on leadership development and it's it's a passion of mine, but I like to look at it, too, from different lenses. So habit forming, sports psychology, adult learning theories and a variety of other ways. It's not just about how you build a great program. That's
1: right. And I know you had a moment in your career because we've met with some of our clients here at Keystone and you've presented to our whole Keystone, the whole company, actually, on something that happened in the mid to late teens with the client that you're working with that shook your beliefs around leadership development, management development.
0: For the first 10 years at ICC, we did what I would consider traditional leadership development. And it was around, I think, 2016, 17, where a couple of things happened. One, I had a child. It radically changes your whole perspective of life, right? And so I had a child. Susan and I started having a lot of conversations about if our name is going to be Innovate, if the I is going to be Innovate, we have to start doing things differently specifically in leadership development. We were doing the same thing as everybody else. There wasn't anything different. And so we started thinking about, what does this all mean? How are we gonna do this differently? And we started to dig into a lot of the research. Coupled that with, I'm sitting with a client, and Dave, you sit with clients all the time. I hope you can relate to this, but I'm sitting with a client and she says, "Shauna, your programs are really great. We have a lot of aha moments. I think they're really delightful, but I'm pretty frustrated. And tell me more. Tell me why. And she says,
1: yeah, I'm very curious.
0: (laughs) And she says, at the end of the day, I look at my succession plan and my leaders still are not ready for the next level. They leave the program and they're still not ready. And if you live in the consulting world, it is a gut punch when you hear a client say that to you about all this great work you've been doing has led to nothing.
1: Okay, not nothing, but but not like, enough. Not oh, enough. Right, not right, enough. Yeah.
0: And you're like, wait a second, I'm in training and development. This is the whole reason we do this work is to make sure our leaders are ready for the next role to make sure they're learning and acquiring these new skills and abilities to take on new challenges, right, especially in this, this crazy world we're living in, or this, this chaotic world. And so it was a big eye opener. And we scrapped everything we had ever done, we started with a lot of hypotheses, so we started piloting different programs. We started trying out different formulas to see what would work, and at the end of the day, we we birthed Accelerator, which is a leadership development program. It's a ready to deliver, but it's built for that frontline leader position, and it's an incredibly research-backed, thoughtful program that easily can be implemented into an organization pretty quick, Dave.
1: Share a little bit about the research and what you learned about what wasn't working and what needed to happen?
0: The first is, we live in a TikTok world. The modern learner is not learning through one day training programs anymore. We're learning by watching Instagram videos. We're learning by watching TikTok. And so we need to stop delivering content through the fire hose in a one day training. We need to start looking at how do we break this up into bite-sized learning so that it can integrate into our our very busy lives. And when I say modern learner too, I don't mean by generation. I mean, we're all learning this way now, whether you're a baby boomer or a Gen Z or a Gen Alpha. We want more
1: snackable pieces, right? (laughs) That's
0: right. Exactly. Yes. I went to go hang a whiteboard in my new office. Guess what I did? I went to YouTube, like how to hang my whiteboard, right? Right. (laughs) I didn't read the instruction manual. (laughs) (laughs) The second thing is, and this is old research, so it's kind of sad that we're still doing it this way, but the Ebbinghaus Forgetting Curve from 1982, actually, is a famous study about when and how we memorize or learn material. So if I were to teach you something today, Dave, within 24 hours, you're going to lose almost, I would say 80% of what I've just
1: told you. Yeah, but Shauna, I'm a little bit above average. I'm going to lose 79% of it.
0: (laughs) And I think about our podcast together today. It's like, oh my gosh, in two weeks, people aren't going to remember what I said. But (laughs) that's the truth. And so how do we overcome this classic forgetting curve in today's world, especially since we're so busy, we're so busy, it's even worse. And so we do that by stretching out our learning over time. You can't just learn in a one-time setting. You just can't. If you do, you'll lose about half of what you just learned if it's not reinforced over time. Okay, so that's a second huge piece of research, huge. The third is we are social creatures, we need to be together. And I don't care if it's behind a computer screen, it's on the telephone. We have to learn together. So you can't just shove them behind a computer screen and hope that they're going to connect and learn. You're just not. The fourth, and this actually stems from a lot of research from Gardner and Burson as well as Sherm, that says if somebody's not holding you accountable to learning, again, you're not going to learn. <laughs> you don't care. Right. You have to have a lot of self-intrinsic uh, motivation to be motivated enough to apply
1: your new skills. Okay? Right, somebody's checking.
0: Somebody's got to check. And whether that's built into the performance management, your manager, whatever it is, that's the fourth piece that stood out pretty loud and clear that's missing from most training programs. No one's holding them accountable.
1: The event-based training just doesn't work.
0: That's right. Yeah.
1: It's so funny. Like, you you think about how many generations of people went through just that type of development, though, in corporate America. Somehow we got here. But maybe it was the fact that people are changing, right? The way that technology, our appetite for getting content that way is no longer the same and we've got this research that shows it doesn't last as long as we thought anyway we lose Mm -hmm. most of that knowledge Mm -hmm. so
0: you know what's interesting dave though is can i pick on sports for a second learning an instrument same idea they've got it they've got it down you learn a little theory you watch a video or something for example my seven-year-old son is trying to learn baseball he watches the rockies on tv but we watch the world series right But then you actually have to go apply it. You've got to practice, right? So then you go out and you practice. Uh, Look at any uh, professional team. They practice six days out of the week to play on a Sunday, for example. Third, they have a coach, which is really important. So, right, we got to bring somebody else in from the outside that can give you some objective perspective. That's right. really important. and then somebody's holding them accountable. Uh, maybe in the NFL, we can think about you know it's the Super Bowl or the GM of the organization or whatever right. your you record about your record yeah, exactly your record, yeah, right. yeah exactly yeah. all these stats, right? Whatever you're becoming a master in, baseball, football, uh, guitar, they know the elements in the world of training. We're not great at taking that same model and putting it into our organizations. Right. And it's like this isn't rocket science. <laughs> Just take what we know and let's yeah. bring it into our organizations and do it differently.
1: Right. Well, we talked about ICC in the history and now we've come together as one organization, as Keystone Partners. Maybe you could share a little bit about how that all came about and what intrigued us um, as we bring you into our organization.
0: Anyone who owns a business, I call it the dating relationship, and ICC was always on the market if the right partner happened to pop along, right? We had always known of Keystone Partners, uh, both just as incredible market presence, as well as, uh, unfortunately or fortunately, uh, in a competitive sense as well. We started our dating relationship, if you will. The biggest piece for us was culturally, is it going to be a, a great fit? And you know, are there products that are going to compete with each other? And so first, culturally, I cannot tell you, and it astounds me, we're three months into this relationship, into this marriage. And every single day, our entire ICC team was just met with the biggest arms and the biggest hug. And when I look at the values that are on the Keystone website and are published in all the marketing materials, and when I look at the ICC values, they are 100% in alignment. You know, it's about being the trusted partner to our client. It's about delivering excellence every single time. It's about looking at your team members as the power of me and us and us and me. I bring something and you bring something. And together, we're even more powerful. Like It's just incredibly powerful to see how our values have come together. And, and frankly, Dave, how the Keystone Partners team um, lives and breathes these every single day.
1: That's great. So I, I just want it, to echo that too. In meeting your team, I just appreciate not only their skill and intelligence and their capacity to do great work, but also their collaborative approach, which yes. you already talked about. And down to earth, real people. So I really real I like your team, you know, and now our team.
0: I absolutely agree. So culturally, it's a just a match made in heaven, a little marriage of great unity. But the Agreed. second is product offerings. So we knew Keystone as the high end, the senior leader level coaching, high touch out placement programs. That's what we thought of at Keystone. And ICC, we wanted to make an impact with that frontline leader who most often doesn't get investment, doesn't get coaching, doesn't get great development programs from individual contributor to frontline manager. And they're often left to be on their own. When I think about stories of like my worst manager, it was like, Oh, yeah, that person didn't have any training. Like they were left to their own. <laughs> right. <laughs> because I don't think they ever had any true training or what it meant to be a leader. Or they had that a one leader. day training
1: that they forgot most of it. <laughs>
0: that's right, or they forgot it all. That's right, 15% went out the door already. But not for you, Dave, not for you. So <laughs> Only 49% that's right. of Only for, so That's right. So we wanted to make a real impact there. So when we thought about complementary services to where we could fit into the Keystone brand and the Keystone product area... For me, again, incredible marriage, incredibly complimentary products to be able to come in and say, okay, we can support now all levels of leaders within your organization in their defining moments, right? Whether they're a first-time frontline leader or whether their promotion status at a mid-level leader, or maybe they're taking on the C-suite now, Uh, we can support your leaders at all different levels. So is that your perspective from the Keystone side?
1: Absolutely. I think, you know, we had management training and still do, but it was not fully integrated, didn't have the coaching, didn't have a lot of the things that ICC had. And I think it's just a really complimentary and great fit from the cultural standpoint, as well as the product and service standpoint. I agree totally. And the research is showing there was a big McKinsey study that came out that talked about HR needing to push things that HR was doing into management's hands more. Develop more in your frontline managers. Have them do more of things. Have HR work just at those critical moments where people are shifting roles, onboarding, offboarding, all those kinds of things. That's where HR comes in. And the day to day, push those things down to to managers and supervisors and other leaders. So it all fits, you know, that democratizing leadership development.
0: Absolutely, prioritizing people.
1: Could you talk a little bit about uh, what the accelerator program looks like?
0: So the accelerator program is a holistically threaded development program geared at that first-time or frontline leader position it goes up to about mid-level leader and what makes it unique is it tackles or combats the challenges we already talked about right so the first is we're teaching curriculum or we're teaching theory through microlearning so the learner is engaging in different modalities of microlearning podcasts videos that sort of thing The second though, is we've embedded purposefully applied practice activities. So you learn a little bit, now you're gonna go try it. You're going to do it. We're gonna have you reflect on those exercises. So you've been avoiding that very difficult conversation, now go have that conversation with your new skills, try it out. The third element, and again, remember I mentioned, there has to be a social component. We are social beings, right? And so as they're going through and they're learning new theory, we then bring them together in small cohort-based group coaching sessions. How did that work for you? How does that work for you and your organization with your direct reports? For me, this is key where we start to customize and we start to really make the learning real. It's like my baseball player getting on the field and actually practicing and batting with the peers, their team, if you will. And then the last component, again, that manager has to be a key element in holding them accountable. So as a participant is going through one of our programs, their manager is getting prompts and questions and learning to hold their learner accountable which can be incredibly powerful. So to be frank, Dave, you can go out and you can pick and choose all those different types of elements from somewhere else. But what makes it really unique is the fact that we have brought to the marketplace a threaded holistic program that can be dropped into an organization and can be lifted up within 30 days. So when you think about problems that our audience might be dealing with, so high turnover, low employee engagement, retention issues, we can start to make an impact on all of that within 30 days instead of waiting four, six, eight months down the road.
1: And the HR team or the leadership development team inside the organization gets visibility to the success rates, right? They get to see how well people are doing, what change they're making over time. They have a portal where they can see that.
0: That's right. So as an HR buyer, as the buyer of the program, you get access to a real-time analytics dashboard And within that dashboard, you can see the basics, you can see utilization, are people doing it, are they not doing it, you can see satisfaction, do they like it, do they not like it, but we knew we needed to go beyond that. And so within the dashboard, you'll also be able to measure retention of learning, so are they remembering what they're learning, and we also look at measurable behavior change over time. So are we seeing these new skills being applied in the workplace? At the end of the day, that's what training is about. Teach them a new skill so that they actually try it and do it in the workplace. That's it. So that's our measure of success is, yes, now with confidence, we know (laughs) that once you go through one of our programs, your leaders are going to walk out and be ready for the next role.
1: Right, right. Just enjoying the program isn't enough, although we do get really high satisfaction rates. But the most important thing is. Are the behaviors changing? Are you getting the results you need?
0: Yeah, if it's a miserable experience, but you're still getting behavior change, but it's not exactly the approach we're going for either.
1: (laughs) Well, you teased some of the research we have coming out. Maybe you could just give a couple highlights of some of the research that we've found that we're going to be sharing with the whole marketplace.
0: The research was done about creating resilient workforces. There really is a new work promise. It used to be that you go to work for an organization and you have a job for life. And now the new work promise is coming out and saying, invest in me and I will invest in you, right? That employer-employee relationship has really shifted recently. And I I love the language that Keystone is putting around this new work promise because we knew it existed, but we didn't really know exactly what that meant. so the research report will dive even deeper into this. But the idea is not only do I need to invest in my employees, I need to invest them in critical moments or defining moments. And Dave, you and I talk about this now as Keystone moments. right? It's not about taking, I call it this peanut butter spread. It's not about launching an online platform that everyone can access and spreading it around your organization. No, it's about taking very critical moments in someone's career. The first time they become a manager, the promotion cycle. Unfortunately, if you have to let someone go, so the offboarding, that career transition is a critical moment. If you invest in these critical moments in their career, you will have higher levels of engagement, higher levels of um, employee satisfaction, You'll have less turnover, so on and so forth.
1: The old world word was loyalty, but that didn't have that mutual promise of That's coming right. back and forth. You know, and That's I right. think today's worker and today's employers want to see it go both ways. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. Reciprocity. Right. Exactly. That that can be our new go forward term instead of loyalty.
1: Right. It, it has to be reciprocal. That's right. Great. Well, we want to bring in Megan Mandino, the producer of our podcast, to uh, ask you of the nearer question of the podcast. Megan.
0: Okay. Hi, Megan. Hi, Shauna. What advice can you give to early professionals to build their confidence in the workplace and when they're speaking up in meetings with leadership? Be wildly curious be wildly curious, be open to what you're hearing and to ask a ton of questions. I think especially earlier in your career, coming into an organization with a little bit of ego and a, I know all the answers, I don't think will serve you well. My big thing is around not being afraid to fail and starting to take some risks, whether that's in your career, both personally, both professionally, it can really help you you know, get a greater clarity about who you are and where you want to go. I was also wondering For early professionals, we talk about the, the forgetting curve and how important it is for employers to offer leadership development. What advice would you give to someone early in their career who's looking to advocate for themselves in their organization, to their managers, to their leadership, that they need this development to do better in their promotion or to get that promotion? One, ask for it. I think majority of the time we don't even simply ask for it, which is not okay. See what you can get. Right? Show them how by you developing and whatever skill that might be, what will that do for themselves? What will that do for the team? What will that do for the organization? And how will that help them? So make your business case, if you will, for that type of development. And I think that's really important.
1: I know you've worked with a lot of CHROs and chief people offices and people that reported to them, maybe heading up leadership or OD inside their organizations. What do you see people doing that? are just below that CPO, CHRO level, that you say, oh, that's somebody that's gonna get to the top, or this is what I'd recommend this person do to get to the top.
0: Two things that immediately come to mind. One is the ability to think more strategically about the business. When you become singular, you only think about you, you only think about your team, you only think about your division, it's limiting. Some of the rising stars I've seen in my past that are now probably holding CHRO positions, they have the ability to stand back and see the organization from the holistic perspective. So that's strategic view.
1: As a consultant and an advisor, how does that appear to you, Shauna? Typically, they're exceptionally curious,
0: but they're yeah. asking questions like, how does that work and why does it work that way? And tell me more. Another thing I often will hear is some visionary perspective. What if we did this? What would that look like if we integrated that Ah, Um, ah. so you start to hear you know those are kind of the key words i think about when i'm sitting with somebody i'm like oh that person's they've got they want to they want
1: to test something
0: they're thinking about how to up level and then i think the second one is how networked are they or are they thinking about networking within the organization for example when i came into keystone i'm like what does customer success do and rather than waiting back and hoping that someone would call me and tell me what customer I called, I called Deb and directly, (laughs) and I said, you know, give me 30 minutes. I want to know what in the world you do and how your team, you know, executes. And that's the type of philosophy that, you know, they're thinking bigger than just where they sit.
1: I agree with that. And like, and I think about people who have become CHROs or chief people officers and what I've seen them do before they became that they were an advisor. They were a thought partner with somebody on the C-level team as well. Like they networked at high levels in their organization and built strong relationships.
0: And it's not all about just what can you do for me? It's pure curiosity of how does this work and how did you get where you're at and what do you do in
1: your role? If you could write a letter of professional or career advice to your I usually say 30-year-old self, but you started this whole journey (laughs) at 26. So I'll say 26-year-old self. What would you write, dear Shauna?
0: That change is okay. So if I take my contacts out, Dave, I can't can't see. (laughs) And my family just thinks it's hilarious because I'll sit there and I can't see the TV. (laughs) But it, it works for me in that when you encounter circumstances that you're wildly uncomfortable or you're in a big change period, it doesn't even have to be big. It could be very small. I relate it to sitting on my sofa and trying to see the TV without my glasses. It looks very unclear. Just take a step forward. Take one step. It doesn't have to be clear the next day. It doesn't have to be clear the next day, the next week. But if you continue to take little steps forward, if I continue to walk towards that TV, it becomes clear. I can see the picture again. (laughs) So
1: I'm laughing because it's one of the things I appreciate about you, Shauna, is that you have a great analogy. Oh, my for everything. analogies. <laughs> I love your analogies yeah, and
0: I, I don't know where that comes from. <laughs> I have to tell it in a story.
1: <laughs> uh, what's something you don't want to leave undone over mm. the next five, 10 years?
0: I get very giddy. I get goosebumps thinking about where the accelerator program could be. The vision for the product, the vision for the metrics, the vision for this dashboard for our customers. I get I get very excited.
1: We're going to get that together.
0: <laughs> I know. It's great the way it is today. And the vision for the future is quite incredible.
1: You already told us about something that you changed your mind about. Is there anything yeah. else important in this HR and development career space that you've changed your mind about?
0: I was interviewing someone for a, a micro webinar and it's stuck with me and it has stuck with me since is there is a big difference between being kind and being nice. There was a point where I was wildly uncomfortable in times of conflict. I was wildly uncomfortable bringing up different ideas or being direct with some of my feedback. And I wanted everyone to love me. I wanted to be nice, right? Um, I wanted to be agreeable. That doesn't serve me. (laughs) That doesn't serve anyone, frankly. But I I can still be direct. I can still have some incredible conversations. But I can layer that with kindness. It doesn't mean that I can't be sympathetic.
1: You can disagree and still be kind. I like it. Couple lighter questions. What's the last concert you've been to? Or who's your favorite artist, musician?
0: Uh, last concert, I went to the pink concert. Ooh, is she incredible? If <laughs> you get a chance, go see her. She sings That's more upside than down just music. as she That is oh, uh, an
1: acrobatic show. Is,
0: it is, it <laughs> truly is. It was so incredible. It truly was a show. Plus, I'm a big fan of her music. Um favorite artist though, this this shows how eclectic I can be. I love Garth Brooks. <laughs> And fun fact about me, Dave is his previous home. He no longer lives here, but previous home is about nine minutes from where I live in Owasso, Oklahoma. And had I moved a couple of years ago, I could have driven nine minutes down the road and
1: met my run favorite it, artist. Run it but... to Graph Brooks. All the
0: time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right at the grocery. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm
0: sure. I'm sure he picks up his own
1: groceries. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. Do you have a secret life hack you're willing to share with us?
0: Every morning, I get up at 5 a.m ideally before my children. And I do my prayers and I also do my affirmations. Really big in my life because I truly believe that your thoughts become your words, your words become your beliefs, your beliefs become your habits, and then your habits become your destination.
1: Well, thank you, Shauna, for being Absolutely. A, a guest on our podcast. This was a lot of fun. And we look forward to lots more fun collaborating with you here at Keystone.
0: Absolutely. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Megan. Thank you for listening to the Hennessy Report from Keystone Partners. Be sure to subscribe to listen to all of our conversations with leaders in HR. Go to keystonepartners.com and click on the podcast button.